the world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you ready for another day? So yesterday at lunchtime, I promised you an update about our new CPBs. I can barely talk. I am like Santa Claus is coming to town excited. But so since conference last year up to this year, as I told you yesterday, we gained 112 new CPBs. Then we had the group yesterday morning. And because there was a few technical glitches, it was our first time doing it. Uh, we accommodated another handful yesterday afternoon. So just this conference, we moved from 37 new CPBs to 45 new CPBs for a total of 157 this year. Would you please stand up if you're among that group? Congratulations on your accomplishment. I also have to give a shout out to Anita and Melanie. What I got to witness firsthand yesterday at the way those two rock the logistics of this thing was hands down amazing. So I don't know if they're in the room, but wow. So with that, I'm going to hand things over to Gleet. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Galit Sugar, and I'm one of the two newly appointed IPBC board members. I'm here to introduce our keynote speaker, Mr. Alan Salmon. Alan is recognized as Canada's leading analyst in the area of accounting technology. He's very, he has a very impressive bio and many years of business experience. What you may not know about Alan is that he is a current board member of the IPBC. Alan has been in involved with the IPBC almost from its beginning. He began as an advisor and then for the past two years as a board member. In the past few years, Alan has chaired the IPBC Task Force on Technology, the 2015 Benchmark Survey, and this year the Award Committee. Some, fact, some fun facts about Alan. He and his wife, Nancy, are avid traveler. He has been around the world nine times from bungee jumping in New Zealand to climbing the Sydney Harbour Bridge to meeting the grandson of King George V in London are among the too many amazing adventures to mention. He lives in Brantham, Ontario. He has four daughters and nine grandchildren. Retirement hasn't slowed Alan down. He's a force to be reckoned with, and we are lucky to have him as a part of the IPBC team and here this morning. So without further ado, it is my honor and privilege to introduce our keynote speaker this morning. Here's Alan. I understand most of you in the room partied last night. Am I right? Tracy, did you party last night? No, I wasn't one of them. Oh, I don't believe you. So we need to make the, we need to get the juices going. So we're going to do it this way. I'm going to say, hi, IPBC, and you're going to say, bonjour, Alain. <laughs> right, Tracy? Yep. Are you going to go? All right, here we go. Good morning, IPBC. Bonjour, Not good enough. <laughs> One more time. Good morning, IPBC. Bonjour, Merci beaucoup. <laughs> now, um, as usual, my middle name is Mr. Questions, right, Diane? Uh, well, I have some quest uh, questions for you and more to do it. But before I do that, there's been many innovations and many things new this year. And one of the things that's new this year is that we have someone in this room who holds the highest order in Canada, which is the Order of Canada. And if you don't know what that is, that is an, the top award that anyone can gain. And that individual in this room has been a CPA for, are you ready? 66 years. So I would like to, you to welcome 
Mr. Bill Levin, the CEO of Telpay, CPA Order of Canada. Bill, stand up. And how many of you have seen Peter Mandridge on the National? And how many of you know what's in his left lapel? Have you, have you noticed it? There's a little white symbol. And if you get close to Bill, you'll find that he's wearing his OC this morning. And Bill, will you take selfies? <laughs> so Deborah, where's Deborah Bruley? Here's your chance. All right, quick question. How many of you, or any of you, how many of the SAGE One Day conferences that were held in Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal this month? Okay. How many of you are going to thrive? Hold your hands up. Well, I got to redo the presentation for thrive. Alrighty, now let's, tech, let's check technology. How many of you are taking notes on a smart device? Hands up. How many of you are taking notes on this? Hands up. Okay, with the exception of Barb Sanderson, who is the most avid note taker that I have ever met on the planet Earth, you do not need to take notes today. Why? Because I will happily provide you with this. As long as you do what? So that's all you really need to do. Right, Barb? Yeah, but she won't do it. She's fixed on that. Alrighty, so, um, oh, I forgot the other thing. I am really glad that you're here today, Bill. Do you know why? Because for the first time in any IPB's conference, I am the second oldest man in the room. <laughs> and it's, there are times when we should look back. And fortunately, I can look back a long ways. So I want you to imagine your desktop in, oh, let's say 1980. memories? So how many of you will admit that your desk in 1980 looked like that? Honesty is good, folks. Alrighty, so let's go from there to here. There was a wonderful book written by Jeffrey Moore in 1991 called Crossing the Chasm. Have any of you in the room read that book? It's still available on Amazon. And he wrote a sequel to it. And what Jeffrey Moore did, and this is somewhat like the Sage presentation yesterday at noon, is he tracked what happens when there is technology changes, major ones. And he, and he called it crossing the chasm. So the very first thing that starts with the interruption is the crazy people like me work on the edge. So they're the innovators. And then the bridge crosses the chasm, and the mainstream folks, like most of you, do it. And then finally, there, is no, there are people in the room that will never cross the bridge, so they're running Excel 2003. <laughs> and I can identify five seismic shifts 
since my time. So let's look at them here. Now here's a real age test. How many of you in the room will admit to using VisiCalc in 1979 and are proud of it? Oh, we're getting old. So that was the first seismic shift in what we call personal or small business computing. And then along came 1992 in Windows 3.1, and all of a sudden we had to learn how to use this sucker. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Now, there is a huge debate on the third shift. For me, it's 2010. The speaker yesterday took it farther back. So that shift is debatable over a drink at the bar. Now for me, sorry, and also in 2010, I got my first iPad. 2014, and my, from my perspective, by 2014, the cloud had just the chasm, just. 2015, IoT became mainstream, and I'll talk a little bit about that later on in the things. So I have a question for you. And what is the answer? Wrong. What is the answer? Wrong. Now, the answer it will be yes if you answer this question in a certain way. So what is the answer to this question? Financial statements, Tracy, if you're doing them for your client, they look at them, they put them in their left-hand door never to see the light of day again. Okay. If your practice is still involving what I call the moving box theory of accounting, what's the difference between the moving box theory and a shoebox theory? The size of the box, and you're keying, and you're producing financial statements, and they put them in the drawer, your toast. Now, let's take the positive spin and go here. What's the answer here? Yeah. Absolutely. So now that raises a three-letter word. Yes. And how? And you've been talked down to, talked up to, shouted at, smiled at with this. Now, what I intend to do today is we've heard a lot of theory. It's excellent. I love Scott Sandberg's interview with you, Tracy. Where's Scott Sandberg? Okay, stand up, Scott. Okay. Scott's going to agree with this. Did you like his presentation yesterday? Now, do you know how he got that good? I trained him, right, Scott? We started, you wouldn't have wanted to see Scott 20 years ago when I first met him. He was terrible. <laughs> but we traveled, didn't we travel the country together, Scott? And I'm not going to admit that he's as good as me, but he's real close. <laughs> so what I want to do today in embracing the crowd is take it down to things that you can do in your practice that will move you over that seismic shift. However, we've got to watch the cloud because sometimes things happen in the cloud. And there's a quote from the uh, CPA magazine last year where I was quoted. And now, Emma. Huh? Emma. Emma. Every day it's getting all Emma. Oh, I'm Emma. Emma. Sometimes the cloud can be too much of a good business. 
So the solution to it is by focusing on the value proposition to the client. So what does that mean in real terms? Well, we're going to find out because I have a guest that's going to join me here. And that guest was the 2011 prom queen at the last Simply Accounting conference in Vegas. How many of you were there? Come on, Diane, get up here. Take that down. No, no, she's gonna sit over there. She deserves a soft seat. Oh. I'm scared. Can I lay down? I could have a nap. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Whatever com you're comfortable with. So many of you in the room know that uh, Diane runs Soma Small Business Solutions off a little island out of here. And we, this is the fifth time we've done the Alan Diane trip. <laughs> yes, okay? that's right. And if those of you that were in 2012 will remember that I trashed her, right? I have some good news, Diane. I'm not gonna trash you today. Well, we'll see. <laughs> so, we're talking seismic shifts. So Diane, some years ago, made a decision. How many years ago was that, Diane? Five. Right. And you made a decision to A, move your practice, and B, significantly change your practice. I did. Why did you do that? Probably because I was at an accounting technology seminar and you told okay. me to. Come on, say that again. <laughs> Can we have a little more volume on her mic, please? Say it again. Probably because I was at an accounting technology tour and you told me to. Diane always, well, no, Diane never does what I tell her. <laughs> so what was the first step in making that seismic change for you? Um, technology. Right. But how did you know what to do? You. And? Customers. Right. Now. Tell us what you did with your customers. Well, the biggest thing I did was to stop looking inward at how we were running the business and what we were doing and started looking outward as to what they needed. Okay, and you developed some very interesting things. So your starting point for the approach to the bookkeeping office of the first was ask the client. Absolutely. Now, Steve Jobs made an interesting comment many, many years ago. Get closer than ever to your customers, so close, in fact, that you tell them what they need well before they realize it themselves. And that is exactly what you did. Absolutely. Am I right? Yes. Now, out of that came some, to me, when, I, when we first talked about this, it just blew me away. So you all know that all of your customers slash clients. I don't want to have an argument with you-know-who about calling things customers. <laughs> First thing Monday morning, wake up, and what's the main topic on their mind, Diane? Cash flow. Can I make my payments? Can I meet my payroll? Yes. Right? Absolutely. So, Diane, that's exactly what your clients need to do. So here's what Diane did. Created, What's the Monday morning report? Created the Monday morning report. So I had quite a few clients that were small contractors that uh, struggled with cash flow. And I noticed I was getting phone calls Thursday and Friday, sometimes Saturday, asking whether or not they had enough money in the bank to meet payroll the next Friday. And that would went on for a little while until I finally clued in and thought, I just need to create a report that's in their inbox every Monday morning that lets them know how much money they have in the bank currently, what they're going to need to make that payroll or whatever financial commitment was coming up that next week, and where they could get that money if there wasn't enough there. All right, then in addition, you discovered that your clients slash customers needed some training. Yes. Okay. Actually, I didn't even clue into this either. They did. I would get a, clients that were probably, they were business owners that had staff, 
but they didn't know how to support the staff. They weren't doing any of the bookkeeping themselves. They had oftentimes maybe somebody that was managing inventory that needed help with how to um, do purchase orders, um, enter inventory, do adjustments to the inventory, all of that kind of thing. And then oftentimes they would have a receptionist that was responsible for doing the invoicing. And they wanted to provide support to that person, but small business didn't have a whole lot of money to send them out for training. So I created the Bookkeepers Club. All right, what's the Bookkeepers Club? So the Bookkeepers Club is their, their actual employees get to send me an email or call me immediately if they don't know how to post something in the software. So I tell them how to post it in the software and then once a month we would actually meet remotely because I, I don't do anything else other than remotely. Um, we would meet remotely and go over all of the things that month that came up so that they would get proper and in-depth training on what it was they were having trouble with. Mm. Business owners loved it. They felt that they were really providing support for their staff and they were getting training. Now, business, small business owners are much like many of you in the room that are a single person practice, right? Mm -hmm. They're out there in their own little world. Their focus is themselves. And they really don't have any, I'm going to say social life, I mean business social life. Am I correct? That's correct. They're so, just like bookkeepers. <laughs> you provide the opportunity for them to talk to other owners. And the way you've done that is? My owner's board of directors mentoring panel. <laughs> it's a, long, a lot of words, right? But yeah, so I would get that feedback a lot that uh, they really couldn't afford a business coach when they were starting out. And I work with a lot of startups. Um, so I came up with the concept of getting five or six of them together that were like-minded. And um, they could split the cost, but get together once a month and actually talk about all their issues. And then I would be the facilitator for that. So it became um, something that I could monetize and it not be a lot of money for the individual business owner. Did you just, did Diane just drop two unbelievably useful tools into your lap? Now, we need to monetize that. Right? Yeah. So, right? I did. So, just very briefly talk about, and I don't want to, the term for me, value pricing, is now outdated. Okay. So talk to me about your pricing model and basically give us an overview of how it works. Okay, so it, it really started with a, a problem that I think we all have, which is with technology became the way that we communicated with all of our clients was very different all of a sudden. It was all by email. And at the end of the day, when I got back in the office, there would be so many emails, I looked at another two or three hours work just replying to all the emails that I never got paid for. Because we all know what the first line on the email is, and that is just a quick question. Hey, the questions are always quick. The answers are always long. And I thought, I gotta think of a way that I can actually get paid for this. And that's really how I started the pricing model for the bookkeepers club. Because when they actually sent the email, I, it was then part of that package that they paid me on a monthly basis to answer those emails for their staff and support. So I was able to actually get back some of that time. I was really just giving away. And I think we're all doing that a lot. Great. Now, I love your Monday report. How would you like me to show you how to put it on steroids? In sure. other words, take it to the next level. Because you know what? The Monday report is now five years old. That's right. So I'm going to move out of PowerPoint and I'm going to not look at uh, my boss. That would be Diane. And we're going to go to my favorite program, which is? Okay. And that's not my favorite program. Well, it is my favorite program. We'll get to that. So let's go here and let's go here. 
Now, there's nothing magic nothing about screen. this report. Nothing on the screen. There isn't. Help from the back. That's the best report I've ever seen. Who said that? I warned you this might happen. I just changed programs and it lost the sync. Is it on extended desktop? No, it's, uh, it's on duplicate. Do you want me to go to extended desktop? No, it should be on duplicate. It's on duplicate. Sure have good help in this hotel. All right, is that better? Now, there's nothing magic about this spreadsheet. All of you produce this report in whatever accounting program you're using. Diane. Oh, thank you. <laughs> she finally oh. woke up. We got a monitor down here. Were you partying last night? Yeah, my glasses are a little yeah. fuzzy or something. So. <laughs> What I'm tracking here is the invoice number, invoice date, company name, da dee da dee da and uh, we've got 1,236 rows of data. And uh, you can produce that report from any accounting program. Every one of you in the room know how to export it. Right, Diane? Yes, we do. Okay. So I'm your client, Diane, and you've produced this. What kind of questions am I going to ask? Give me a sample. I'll help you out. What did, how much did I sell in BC? Oh, okay, good. Right? I can answer that, yeah. Yep, okay. Now, how would you answer that in Excel? I think you just do a filter. Yes, you'd use yes. a filter. <laughs> or you'd do a grouping. Where's the two ladies that I blew the answer on yesterday on grouping? Got your pen down? Make a quick note. It is under the data tab and it's under subtotals. And there's the answer to your question. Just go back and, and try that on it. However, how long would it take you to do that, Diane? Oh, seconds. <laughs> Gee, I just got blown away by an Excel expert. <laughs> I wish I could do it in seconds. But every time somebody asks, uh, I ask the question, you got to do some work, right? Yes, you do. Wrong. Okay, show me. Okay. So let's take this to the next level. And hopefully, I'm not going to lose it. Do you like that? Very pretty. All right. But watch when I touch the blue. There's the answer. I touch there. I touch there. I touch there. Now, where's the gentleman yesterday in my Excel course, there was only one that knew what a slicer is? Okay? Slicers are this. Did you see the checkbox there, 2015? What have I got? And I want to see PEI. Is that cool? Yeah. Now, in advanced Excel, you can do that. This is not Excel. So, Diane, how long do you think it took me to build this dashboard? You? From scratch. Give me a number. No, it would take him a bit longer. <laughs> how long? Less than half an hour. Less than half an hour. Marilyn, wake up. Okay. From, the time I t from the time I tell you... It's sure hard to get good help. I'm going to give you a go in about 
five seconds, and you're going to time it takes me to reproduce this from scratch. Okay? So we're going to go to a blank canvas. Go. Now, here's what I need to do. I need to connect this canvas to my Excel program. Right? Yes. And the way I do it is I go up here and get data. Is that pretty easy? Mm-hmm. Now, there are a whole list of connectors here if we go down to more, and so on. So all of the databases, et cetera, et cetera, there is a connector for QBO. I could directly link this to QBO. There is a connector to uh, Sage 50. And Bill, I'm sorry, I have not been able to discover whether there's a connector to zero. But since we all like Excel, We'll do the connection to Excel. All right? I'll tell you in a minute. I'm not going to answer it yet. So I click Connect. Okay. And there is my Excel file, customer invoices. So I click. And I click on Open. There's the connection. I click on table one, and there's the view that you just saw in Excel. Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah. Now, I'm not going to go the next step because I've already got that done. So that was the starting point. Is that the one that takes the time? I'm not going to answer you. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. Okay. That connection, well, it will depend on the data. Uh, anybody know how many rows there are in Excel today within 32,000? So it's a million and 32,000. And I do dumb things, folks. I created an Excel spreadsheet that had exactly one million rows. I need to get a life, right? <laughs> okay, so what we've got here is what we call a pane or a canvas. And here's what I wanna do. I wanna know what the total sales were if you had gone and done an ad at the bottom of the sales total, all right? So over here on the right-hand side, do you see where it says fields? For you in Excel, that's columns. So there's the company city column, there's the company province, de-da-de-da-de-da, and there's the total amount. I'm gonna click that and drop it right there in the canvas and we're gonna get a ridiculous that. Now, you will call these icons. The program calls them visualizations. So I'm going to go here to the one, two, three and click. There, ladies and gentlemen, is the total sales for that. Cool. Are you impressed? Yep. All right. So now I want to do a horizontal bar graph of companies versus sales. All right, drop it there. Drop it there. I don't like that. Then I go to my canvas and I go to my horizontal bar chart. Look. Hmm. Now, I talked about slicers. We're going to create a slicer on dates. So we're going to go over here and get the date field when I find it. There we go. And we'll drop it there. Hmm. And then down here is the magic button. Come on, that ought to be worth a new. Yes. Are you impressed? So we go here. We go here. And we go here. All right, but, and we'll just do this. And I want another slicer, this time on the basis of province. Let's do province. So I'm going to drag it here. And I'm going to move it down. And where'd it go? Well, I'm going to take this one out. And I'm going to do province. There we go. 
and I'm going to go here to my slicer, and I'm going to go there. You're dead. Are you stunned? Yeah. All right, let's do one more canvas, and again, so I click on the button here, and this time I want to track sales by date. So I'm going to take the date field, drop it there, and I'm going to go to here when I wake up. Oh, I got to I got to track it on something, so we'll do it on total amount. I'm sorry. And there we go. So we'll make it big. Okay, timer, how long did it take? Five minutes, 40 seconds. Five minutes, 40 seconds. Diane, weren't your clients? I have <laughs> your watch is wrong. I missed that. It's an apple, she said. Watch. <laughs> okay. So, would your clients love to have that kind of ability? For sure. For sure. Would you believe me that I could teach you or you could do webinars to be able to do all of that and more with less than two hours training? I would love to be able okay. to do that. Yes. So, let's assume that I have the copyright on this program. Do you? I own it. No, I don't. I wish I did. <laughs> so, I don't know about you, but I have dollar values. For example, if I see a new toy on the, on the web, I have no idea whether it works, but it's under $100, what am I going to do? Buy it. That's my threshold. Yeah. So, what's your threshold for this program? Would you pay me $100 for it? I would, most definitely. Would you pay me $250? Yes, I would. Okay, stand by. So we're going to go back to PowerPoint. Did your presentation just cost me $250? Don't, you, don't give up your day job. You won't make it as a comic. Oh, that was nasty. I apologize. Yeah, see, see, I knew it. I knew you were going to do it. I knew uh, it. Some that's place. one. Yeah. All right. So now I will answer the question from the young lady over there. Okay. Would you agree with that statement? That's exactly And everybody right. else has been hammering that theme home? Yes. Okay. Now, there are a lot of ways of doing what I just did. In fact, if you work the trade show, I could, I could name at least two products that will do it. Yes. I did not use those. Wow. But these are facts of life now. BI, of course, business intelligence. Would you agree? Yes. All right. I could have done this in two different ways. How many, uh, uh, there are two advanced uh, versions of Excel 2013 and 2016. And where's Clyde? Yeah, okay, he's the Excel guru. Have you ever used any of, the, those, of those add ons that are called Power BI, Power View, Power Map, and Power Query? Okay, don't. They're really challenging to do it. What I used is Power BI Desktop. That is a Microsoft product. Has anybody in the room but me ever looked at that? No. Okay. So, Dan, if this product was free, would you use it? Yes. This is the cost of Power BI Desktop. Really? Do I normally put you on? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you note keepers, now's the time to write. You're going to do a Google search. And you're going to put in Power BI Desktop. And when you click on it, there'll be a little thing there that's, that starts with the letter D. What does the letter D stand for? Download. Not Diane? 
<laughs> All right, there will be a little button there that says download in brackets Diane. Okay? And you download it. And there's probably a hundred videos, Diane, to walk you through this. Oh, okay. You okay? Yeah. And every month it's changing. Now, for adv not advanced users, for big companies, there is a second version that allows you to move the data around and so on. I don't think anybody in the room needs it, and there's a small cost for that. Cool. So everything that I did there this morning cost me that. Zero. That's cool. Isn't that impressive? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you have two choices, Diane. I can kick you off the stage. <coughs> or you can sit there and look gorgeous. Hi. All right. So now I want to move into mobile computing because all of us are mobile computers. By the way, Diane forgot to mention something very important in the transition that she made five years ago. Not only did she make a change with her clients, but she made a lifestyle change, didn't you? I did. Okay, and I, here's my perception of her lifestyle change. It's much like the office that I used to have in Florida when Nancy and I spent the winter there. So her desk is at the window, and what does she see out at the window? I see how sound. She sees how sound. And if she's really ticked at her husband, she takes the dog for a walk where? On the seawall. On the seawall. So she has managed to do almost if she gave up some of the work that she did for IBC, IPBC, you would have a perfect lifestyle, am I, I right? I would, I absolutely okay. would. So part of the components of doing that is technology, obviously. And what I'm going to do is paint you a picture of what technology I would use today if I was starting out a bookkeeping practice. Don't be scared, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> And there are megatrends, right? And this has been happening over those five changes. Major advances. Only a few of you know in this room that up until 8 p.m. last Monday night, I would have been doing this presentation from my desk. I had a health problem a week ago Sunday, and uh, Nurse Nancy didn't clear me to fly till 8 p.m. Would the presentation been any different? Other than you couldn't have looked at my ugly face. All right? So that's the world we live in. Now I have a side story here. Uh, and Tracy, you're going to like this because you were in France. Do you know that the French Parliament about a few months ago passed the law that said companies could not force their employees to do email outside of office hours? How many of you would like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. But we're connected 24 by 7. And we need to do data sharing. I share data on two notebooks, on a Surface, on an iPad, and on a smartphone. And does, do I get the same data on? Yes. Absolutely. So there's been major uh, technologies that have forced or driven that change. One of them, which is hugely important in our world, is bank feeds. Hasn't that been a godsend? The second one is something that Diane and I have been talking about for the last five minutes, collaborative real-time accounting. And the third one, for you people, is that. Now, there's a ton of others and I don't have time to do it. So let's move into my mobile desktop after I do this. So what do we need in the way of mobile office hardware? Computer, communications, docking station, scanner, printer, right? Now, for your main, and when I use the term computer, 
I'm not necessarily talking a desktop, but speaking of that, how many of you today do not own a desktop? Hands up. We haven't wow. owned a desk. We haven't owned a desktop in 10 years. Wow. Why are you going wow? I I would I'm surprised by all those hands that they don't even own a desktop. Why do I need a desktop? You don't, but I'm I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Say that again. <laughs> I missed that one again. You have to have something to put on the desk. <laughs> yeah, it's my mobile device. Yeah. Now, mobile devices come in a lot of flavors. You've got the typical notebook, which I have here. And how many of you have a wonderful device? It's a little expensive, called a Microsoft Surface. We had a board dinner the other night, and how many of the board members, Diane, had surfaces? Five. Five out of? Twelve. Tw well, there, well were, there was only eight there, actually. Yeah, yeah. and there actually were six, because I had one, but I didn't That's bring right. it. Okay. Aren't those amazing devices? I take my surface to bed with me. <laughs> now, you're laughing, but I spend a fair amount of time because of things in bed. My surface sits on a little board, right beside me. And, and this really pisses Nancy off. But after I go to bed and she's watching soaps, I reach over the surface and I'm working. Usually talking to me. And usually talking to Diane. And Diane is ticked off at me. So, or we could do a hybrid, which is a combination of a notebook and a combination of an iPad. However, for all of those devices, the technology and the standards are exactly the same, whether you're running a Surface, whether you're running a notebook. And it boils down to this. That's what drives your choice. How good are your eyes? Are you pressing weights? Do you need a touchscreen? How many of you uh, today a, are using touch screens, and B, are very good at it. Let's see the hands. Yeah. A Isn't that amazing? A and a half. A and a half. What's that? A and a half. I don't know that I'm good okay. at it. Okay. You know something? I made a statement five years ago that I regret today. And you know what that was? I'll never need a touch screen. Ah, so on. So there's the specs. Now, here's the recommendation once you've got it, and I've got the word desktop here because there's a few of you doing it. It doesn't matter whether it's a Surface, whether it's a hybrid, whether it's a notebook or a desktop, there's the specs. Windows 10, eight gig or more of RAM, solid state drive that come down in price, they're affordable, touchscreen, Can you hear me? Yeah. All right, moving right along, I have a, would you believe, a 32-inch monitor on my desk? Right, Marilyn? Is it gorgeous? I, it took until uh, about the summer of 2016 for Nancy to give me the budget so I could afford to buy it. <laughs> now, we then moved down in the technology world to smartphones and phablets. What's a phablet? Tablets? I have no idea. Big screen. A yeah. What? Look over there. He's got a big phone. A big phone? Oh. Yeah, that's what oh. a big phone is called, a oh. phablet. Oh, I didn't know that. And on the screen, there are three phablets. And I can assure you that none of them are a Samsung 7. <laughs> so we got the hardware, and now we need the apps. 
Okay? So every single accounting program, and most of them are here, have an accounting app for a smartphone or an iPad, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. And many of us, or all of us, are using them. And then we have the office apps. How many of you live a lot of the time with PDFs? Mm -hmm. Many of you, all right? So, and I do, when we get to it. So I need office on my iPad. I use OneDrive for business, of course. I don't use Google Drive. And I use the Dropbox occasionally to move big files. We have another way of doing it. So PDF apps, everybody has their reader. I need to create them. Are any of you digitally signing your apps in, P in PDF? Yeah, not hard to do. And then finally, how many of you are editing documents? All right, I want an honest answer. How many of you think that PDFs cannot be changed, hands up? <laughs> I used to have fun, we're going back now, I'm dating myself seven or eight years ago and I actually taught a PDF class and I would ask that question and about 80% of the hands would go up. And five seconds later, I'd take an accounting statement and modify it and you should have seen the faces. And we have productivity apps. <clears throat> and here, there's a variety. I love Wonderlist. My partner, Ward Blatch, uses OneNotes. What do you use, Marilyn? Uh, Evernote. Evernote, and so on. And when I was traveling, I used TripIt. Anybody in the room using TripIt? Yeah. So you're taking your, <coughs> your airline uh, things and you're dropping them into TripIt and you've got a host of information telling you where you're going and all of that sort of thing. It's a great one. And then how many of you are using LastPass or one of the others to track your passwords? Uh, I got a minute, so I'm going to do this. What is the most popular password on the planet Earth, bar none? Password. You got it. Now, back before you millennials in the room were in the room, when I was doing pure consulting, I had a client who at that time was absolutely crazy about security. He said, this place is so secure, nobody can get in. He said, we got locks on the doors, we got keys and all of that sort of thing. So I said, I couldn't resist it, so I made him a bet. And I bet him that I could get into his office in non-office hours and put my business card on the desk. And the bet was, if I won, he was going to buy me the most expensive dinner in Toronto. At that time, it was Winston's. And if he won, he could pick it. 24 hours later, my business card was on his desk. How did I get in? I knew the janitorial services cleaned his office at exactly 6, 6 p.m. There'd be five of them. So at 10 to the 6, dressed in a suit and carrying a briefcase, I'm in the washroom. The moment they go, went through the door, I walked in with them saying, I sure wish I didn't have to work tonight. It was that easy. Okay? So... Uh, Getting back on at LastPass or the equivalents in terms of passwords there, Google is now starting a dual authenticator where you need two ways of getting in, a password and a code. And now we need to spend about four or five minutes on Big Blue. So we're going to start with Windows 10. And I'm going to let you read that. So speaking of Windows 10, let me see hands in the room. How many of you had a problem upgrading in Windows 10? Okay. I'm going to guess that that's about 5% of the room. Okay. I put Windows 10 on five devices, three clean and two an update. 
I pushed the button and went away and had a coffee. It was that clean. And underneath that is the uh, reasons why I like it. Unfortunately, the free upgrade ended three months ago. And then we go to Office 2016. And unless you're a Clyde Harris and are really advanced Excel and are not using Office 365, do not upgrade. I think you should be on 2012 or 13. But the feature set in 2016, pure Office and specifically Excel, isn't worth the cost. Yes, if you're doing pivot tables, they're awesome. So let's look at it. Whoops, I went the wrong way. Waterfall charts are gorgeous. And there's some other new features in 16. A couple of nice features in an Outlook, but really doesn't justify the cost. Now, hands up. How many of you are on Office 365? Okay. Now, my brilliant wife, Nancy, was talking to a member in this room yesterday who shall remain nameless. Okay, I'm not looking at anybody. And the conversation from that person went like this. I really get ticked off at presenters that use the word should. You should do this, you should do that. She said, what I want the presenter to do is give me my options and I'll use the word should for me. So for the first time today, I'm going to use the word should. And I'm not going to apologize for it. You've heard me say this before, mm -hmm. Diane. I think that every bookkeeper on the planet Earth ought to be on Office 365. <laughs> Who said that? Am I right? Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do is blow away some myths that are out there about Office 365. Cloud version of Office? Wrong. Requires an internet connection? Wrong. All my data is stored in the cloud? Wrong. All my staff must be on the same plan? Wrong. So what is Office 365? It's a buffet. Think of these as, they're not little apps, they're big apps. And let's focus on the top left, Microsoft Office desktop licenses. Okay? I'm running Office 365. Excel is on my desktop. It's not up there. Now, let's assume I wasn't running Office 365. I need Excel on five devices. Two notebooks, a Surface, an iPad, and a uh, and my smartphone. And I haven't been into no, sorry, we're in the West. I haven't been into London Drugs for a while, but I suspect that the advanced uh, version of Office 2016 is north of three hundred dollars. Mm, yes, yeah. Easily. Yeah, yeah. So if I was not using Office 365, I've just blown how much? 1250. And I'm I think you should be on a three year cycle. So you're gonna spend twelve hundred and sixty dollars every three years. Now there's a zillion flavors of Office 365. The one that I'm using is called E2, it's the second highest level, and it costs me twenty-two dollars a month. And for that I get the full desktop suite. But I'm licensed for five devices. So 2250 gets me office, the complete office suite on all my five devices. Is that a good ROI? It's great. And if you look on the left-hand column here, we are using all of those. And if you look on the right-hand column, we are using Yammer, Voicemail, Power BI, and Delve, and we won't get into those. For most of you, all you need is the Office Desktop Exchange and maybe SharePoint. And as I said, a zillion plans, starting as low as 610 a month. And as I said, to me, that's a no-brainer. 
Now, training, we all do it. Is training an expense? Hands up. Do you have to pay money for it? Right? Okay. Take a look at this slide here. Now, assumptions. Your annual salary or your draw is $90,000. For those of you who were in my Excel yesterday, um, did I give you some tips that will save you five minutes a day? Hands up. Okay. So do the math. Work days a year. Out-of-pocket cost. That was, was free for you yesterday. The return on investment. Notice I said investment on training. If with just five minutes a day is 120%. So for me, expense has never been on the right-hand side. It's always been on the asset side. All right, let's have a little bit of fun, and let's deal with IoT. The Internet of Things. What's the Internet of Things? It's the Internet of everything. It's people to people. It's people to machine. It's machine to machine. So what's that mean? It's the concept of this. Now, what kind of devices? And finally, I'm going to show you some hard to believe but true. So I'm going to give you some examples of IoT. Now, we don't use Goji Smart Lock. Anybody in the room using ring.com? Okay. If you come up to our house and you ring the doorbell, instantly the doorbell rings. But on all of, on all of our devices, we get a ping. And if I click on that device, I'm going to see Tracy's face. Wonderful. And I'm going to say, hi, Tracy. Nancy's upstairs. Give us a minute. So right now, I could look at our front door. That's the Internet of Things. Now, how many of you have started the washer and discovered you missed something? Hands up. Take a look at that. Okay. Are you ready for the Internet refrigerator? Now, for certain of the men in this room, and I'm not looking at any of the men, this would be a godsend. <laughs> so how many skiers do we have in the room? All right, you need to invest in this. And then I love this next one. So you wake up to the smell of coffee. But the one that really gets me is the clocky alarm clock on wheels. When it goes off, it starts bouncing around the room and you gotta chase it. <laughs> Morning workout. <laughs> yeah, sure. You don't have to go to the gym. And then finally, and this one is personal. Nancy's youngest daughter had a two months premature son born uh, about three weeks ago. And today he's still in an incubator and Felix is wired from head to toe. And when he goes home, Andrew and I are going to have a talk about the sensors that he needs to wear all the time for at least a while. See where the internet's going? So ladies and gentlemen, that concludes my, the formal part of my, pro, of my program, but I want you to 
bear with me for 90 seconds because I have a personal message for all of you. Sadly, all good things must come to an end. This is our fifth IPBC conference, and both Nancy and I look forward to it every year. It is an opportunity for us to enjoy so many old friendships. Nancy and I will be in attendance at the 2017 IPBC conference in Toronto. However, this will be our last conference in the West. We will not be attending the 2018 event. Traveling by air and spending almost a week in a hotel is an exhausting experience for both of us and our health really suffers. So, to those of you in the room this morning that won't be in Toronto next year, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me the opportunity to work with so many of you over the last 20 years or so. Thank you, you've been wonderful. So have you.